0: Like, I, I definitely, I never put any on myself because of it. Uh, now, obviously, you'd walk in some gyms and you'd see parents like, oh, that's Nance's kid, so-and-so, he's going to be this, he's going to be this. And it's like, dude, I just want to play this game and go play video games. Like, I, I have no, you know, I, 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 this <laughs> doesn't mean, yeah, that's just my name. I was born with it.
1: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode here on You Think, presented by Audio Rama and our friends at Body Armor. Um, again, full fall. We are in full, full fall schedule here. Football, baseball. My daughter started soccer. I'm back on the road calling my Fox NFL Sunday games. Uh, this past weekend, I was down in new Orleans for an absolute defensive battle for anyone who loves offensive football. That was not the game for you. Uh, it was three, three late in the second half. And then there was a gigantic brawl and then Jameis threw 17 picks, and the game was over. But it was uh, it was not the most exciting game from an offensive standpoint, but it was an exciting game from action and and uh, obviously Tom Brady and and all the storyline. So that was cool. I got I got Brady and uh, and Aaron Rodgers going head to head next weekend. So that should be a blast to get back down to Tampa and have the Bucks again. Um, but we are in full fall two sports. We've, I've said this on the last couple episodes, we've kind of settled into our schedule here. Uh, in the beginning, we were worried that we were not going to be able to balance, um, you know, three kids playing a combined four different sports, but so far so good. We are making it all work. Um, but it is not easy. I, I see why the easy move is for your kid to just play one sport because balancing multiple sports is a challenge. Um, It's a, it's a family affair. It's a group effort, but we're making it. We're, we're hanging in there and we're doing good Uh, today. We got a really fun um, guest for you guys today. Um, Longtime NBA player, uh, son of legendary NBA superstar, um, Larry Nance. So our guest today is Larry Nance Jr. Currently plays for the new Orleans Pelicans. Um, Being able to just talk about growing up, what it was like growing up and having a father who was an NBA superstar and, and his journey. Um, you know, all the way through college and now obviously into his NBA career and just the different, you know, areas that we've focused on a lot here at you think the travel ball scene, AAU basketball, you know, what, you know, why weren't you on the top AAU teams if you were the best player and and just all the different levels of of, of success, the levels of failure that he's experienced throughout his entire career. So I, I hope you guys really enjoy this conversation. Larry's a really smart guy, really insightful, had some great perspective on uh, on a lot of things that. Are super relevant here on you think so thank you so much hope you guys enjoyed Larry Nance uh, thank you as always to our sponsor body armor body armor not only fuels this show but they fuel all of our sports teams there's a lot of choices for sideline sports drinks um, but from the very beginning my not only mine our teams but my kids you know we go into a gas station we go into a store they want body armor um, they love the orange mango. They love the strawberry banana. Um, Our refrigerators at home, our coolers on the sidelines and in the dugouts are always full with cold body armor. And um, they just, it's what we've always gravitated towards. So we thank them so much for not only fueling our weekend uh, sports bonanzas, but also uh, fueling this show. So we appreciate our friends at body armor. Body armor is made with coconut water, B vitamins, no artificial sweeteners. And for more information, you can go to drinkbodyarmor.com. So now please enjoy this conversation with longtime NBA superstar, Larry Nance Jr. Larry, thank you so much for joining us today on the You Think podcast. Of course, I appreciate you having me on. We talk about it a lot. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about it with the, you know, the the Major League Baseball draft. There was like four or five kids drafted in the first round of the MLB draft whose whose dads all played Major League Baseball. And I just think, you know, aside from the, the physical skills and the, you know, the genetics, there, there's a, there's an access to information that I just think is super helpful. And, and those are some of the things that I want to talk to you a little bit about today amongst other things. But, you know, before we jump into all that, just you're growing up, your father's a, you know, a former NBA superstar and, you know, you're a basketball family, whatnot, but just give us your first you know, what are your memories of your youth growing up playing sports, whether it was basketball or other sports, like where did it all begin for you? That obviously now has led to a long NBA career, but like, where, where did that journey start? So uh,
0: for me, I was very fortunate um, and I'm actually going to use this when I have for my own kids. Uh, my dad never pushed me into any specific sport. Um, he just pushed me into athletics. Just, Hey, go be active, go be outside, go, you know, go be a kid and play whatever you like. Uh, which led to, uh, years of baseball, years of track year. I mean, years and years of soccer. Um, I, I, I played, you know, the whole gambit for a long time and was, 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 was pretty okay. You know, my dad was at every one of the games and cheering me on as hard as he could. But, you know, once I, you know, around, once I got serious with basketball around, you know, around, uh, early high school, he really, uh, that's when you could see his eyes light up and you know, that he, that that's what he wanted. But at the end of the day, you know, he let me find my own way.
1: Yeah. So what was that communication like? You know, we we talked to so many former and current athletes and they all share a very similar journey, you know, very similar story and perspective that their parents really encourage them to, you know, like you said, just try everything, cast a wide net. And then, you know, a lot of times you end up gravitating towards, you know, similar interests that your parents have just kind of naturally. And, and obviously in your case, that's the way it went down. But you know, what, what was that communication like? Can you describe those conversations as a young kid with your dad when he's not so much pushing basketball, but he's just pushing, you know, as you said, athletics and baseball and soccer, just like, what was that communication process? Like, were you ever like, no dad, I want to play basketball only. And he's saying, no, we're not there yet. Or were you guys always kind of on the same page? No, for me, basketball
0: wasn't a, wasn't really a love of mine again, until mid high school, um, I played it, I dabbled in it, um, you know, played on the little youth teams and, you know, played for the freshman team my freshman year. I was okay, you know, never really good at it. Um, you know, but he loves, you know, he was at all the baseball games, all, I mean, he loves soccer, um, loves that sport, loves watching it with me still. Um, you know, but again, once, Once 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 I got tall and started playing basketball, that was just a click of mine and his relationship. We like, you know, of course, once I picked up the ball, his eyes lit up. And of course, you know, it it just it would fit. It just fit naturally once I got serious about it. And, uh, you know, it's you know, it it is funny. He let me find my what my own way. But I think he, uh, of course, in the back of his mind, he really,
1: really wanted me to pick up that ball. Yeah, I think sometimes, you know, being a parent myself, my, my kid just for the first time is playing tackle football, but again, okay. never pushed him. He, he wanted to do it three years ago. And we just said, no, you know, you play basketball, play baseball, play flag football. We don't need to do tackle yet, but so often as parents, we want to, we like, yes. Do I want my kid to play football? Of course. Right. Like it took me a little while and now he's doing it and it's, you know, it's awesome. And he's playing the sport that obviously I've loved for a long time, but it's so hard as a parent to not push your kid into the same kind of path that I had, right? I grew up, my dad was our football coach, me and my brothers, we all played football. That was, that was our life, right? That was our world, you know, but so it's easy to kind of fall into that same path and same, and it's falling into that same pattern. But, you know, so, but that's a very uncommon route for a lot of players, especially in today's world, right? To be a first round draft pick, right. NBA, but like to have the career you've had and say that you didn't start taking it serious until high school that that's a very uncommon path so tell us a little bit more about you know I know you were a late bloomer I know you kind of grew what almost a foot in high school is that right yeah just about so that so that obviously paints the picture a little differently but you know just again talk about in today's world of AAU and travel and sports specialization here we are talking to an NBA player son of an NBA super like And you had a very, very different path to where you are now than what kids are in essence being forced into today.
0: Right? No, absolutely. Um, And a lot of my friends went through this as well. And I'm sure you you saw it as you saw it too, like, you know, burnout. I feel like, I feel like I, I had this one friend that his dad was pushing him to play basketball from, he was the best from third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, and on all the way until you know, all the way until high school. And then all of a sudden, like we all the rest of us kind of caught up and it's like, man, this kid didn't even want to play anymore because he had already had, he had already had 15 years of being drilled into that sport. And so, you know, I'm, I'm super thankful for how my dad allowed me to just, um, help me to just find it because now, you know, now I, I, I can't get enough of it. Like, I feel like I'm still making up for time lost, not time lost, but time that I was spent exploring other things. And I feel like, honestly, it makes me a, um, I'm thankful for it. Um, cause now I have a greater appreciation of soccer. Now that I get more excited about soccer season than I do about basketball. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I watch track and know what they're talking about. I, I watch baseball and know what they're talking about. So I feel like it made me a, a more rounded, a more rounded athlete as a whole, not just a basketball player, but, um, you know, and again, with, with, with my kid, I I think I'm going to do the same route. Now, obviously, you know, I, now Larry Nance Jr. in Akron, Ohio, where my dad played for the Cavs is Jazz's Jersey retired, held, held a little bit of weight to it. And, uh, you know, whether I want to name my son, the third or not, that's still, I don't know because of, because of the kind of pressure it put on you when I, when he, when I first picked up the ball, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely the route I'm going to take. I'm very, I'm very appreciative that my dad didn't just like stick a ball in my hands and go, nope, that's what we do. We're the Nances. We play ball and this is what you're gonna do for the you know, this is what you're gonna do. I think I might have been a better player, but I don't know if I would have loved it.
1: I, I think that's such an interesting take. And I I want you to dive a little deeper into it if you don't mind. Just talk a little bit. Obviously, sharing sharing the name of your father and and living in Ohio under his kind of under his shadow and kind of in his light, so to speak, you know, when you look back on that, like did you at the time feel any extra added pressure when you're a kid walking into the gym in middle school and, and obviously, you know, in high school, I'm sure it really took it on to another level. Like, did you feel that pressure growing up in that town with that spotlight, with that name on the back of your Jersey? And if so, looking back, I think kids deal with so many different pressures nowadays. It could be who their parent is. It could be expectations of the family. It could be expectations they place on themselves. Kids are dealing with so much stress and pressure, specifically in the world of youth sports. Like when you reflect back on those early years, like how do you, how do you view it fondly? Do you take great pride? Are you glad you went through it? Are there bits of it that you could have done without? Like what is, what is now your reflection as you think back to those years, kind of as you just alluded to?
0: So for me growing up, I never put and never really understood the pressure that yeah, early on I'd walk into a gym and I'd see parents asking my dad for an autograph or asking them pictures. But to me, he was just dad and was always just dad until really until high school when I realized how hard it was to get to that next level. But um, you know, for me, I I certainly never felt any pressure. Um like I, I definitely I never put any on myself because of it. Uh now obviously you'd walk in some gyms and you'd see parents like, Oh, that's Nance's kid, so and so he's gonna be this, he's gonna be this, and it's like, dude, I just wanna play this game and go play video games. Like I, I have no, you know, I, I, I this <laughs> doesn't mean yeah, that's just my name. I was born with it. And so, um, you know, for me, there I never put any out of pressure on myself, but the outside of pressure, which I can't even imagine, well, for me was you know, I didn't have, we didn't have no, any social media or videos or any, none of that. So the pressure was just whatever, whatever individual people wanted to tell you. And now it's like, I, I can't even imagine some of the pressure, like, you know, some of these players, kids are, are under, you know, like, uh, like, you know, uh, like just me and my wife talked about it the other day, like, um, Bronnie James and, and, and Bryce, you know, bronze kids, you know, they are, you know, uh, what, 17 and 15 or 14 years old, and they are megastars, yep. you know, just from their existence. And I think it's that, that presents such a, such a unique thing that no kids have ever gone through before. Like, yeah, I had my experience growing up as, as, um, you know, Larry Nance Jr. But again, that's just very localized in Cleveland and Akron, Ohio. These, these kids are true stars and celebrities at such a young age that, um, you know, it's so it's such a unique time period in which we, you know, there can be these kids that have just unfair expectations upon them. You know, I, I hope they go on to achieve the most incredible. I hope they're the greatest players to ever live. You know what I mean? But like, you know, it's so it's so hard um, nowadays with all this outside influence.
1: Yeah. in the future, you know, the future is yet to be written. We'll, we'll find out just what we're the environment that we're asking these kids to operate in at such a young age, it seems like every year it gets younger and younger and younger. You know, what used to trickle down into the high school world, you know, in the world of college recruiting, you know, even when I was coming up, it was stored sort of happening. You know, obviously there was no social media, but there was online sites and rankings and power rankings and all that. But now you got down to best nine new baseball teams in the country, best 10 new baseball teams in the country you know, overtime elite mm-hmm. and all these pop, all these different organizations that have popped up. And you got kids that are going viral for good things on social and they're going viral for bad things on social. And I guess we're going to see the toll that it takes on these kids. You know, they're, as you mentioned, you know, with LeBron's kids being probably the best example, but even kids who don't have a famous last name, there's kids that are living a celebrity lifestyle now as middle school and high school kids that we just didn't see a decade ago. We didn't see mm-hmm. when we were growing up. And I, and I think it's gonna be really interesting to see what the lasting impact and, of these stresses and these pressures that we're putting on these kids who, like you said, they just wanna play the game and go home and play video games, but we're asking them to, right. to carry this burden of public opinion and shame and success and failure. It's a, it's a challenging thing. I wanna ask you, I wanna ask you, you said, so the light bulb goes on, so take us back. So you're in high school you grow, you kind of grow into your body. You become, and you say, all right, basketball now is something you want to do. You say your dad's kind of eyes light up. Does he take now a real direct role in your development? Is he working with you or you guys, you know, are you going to work with other coaches? Like what did your training look like when you got, when you said, all right, I'm going to make this, this is going to become real for me. Who's leading that? Is it you? Is it your dad? Are you doing it together? Are there other people at your high school? Like what, when you wanted to actually take this to the next level and go play in college, Tell us a little bit about what that looked like.
0: So again, yeah, my sophomore year, I was five nine, five ten, Um, And then going into my junior year, I was actually six, four ish. So it was a, there was a, there was a pretty, pretty large growth spurt. Um, and I'd then in my senior year, I was about I, six, seven. So there was, you know, a solid foot, a solid foot um, ish in there. And so for me, it was when I got, when I took that growth spurt, Um, but the final sport I was playing was soccer and they eventually tried to, you know, they wanted me to play in goal and I had zero desire uh, to do that. So I ended up quitting soccer and just going fully into basketball. And then, um, it was, uh, it was a little bit of both. Um, you know, it took me a while to fall, like fall in love with the game, fall in love with the process and the work of it. Um, and that was, that was, uh, a lot of, my own doing of just going and kind of thinking I was working hard shooting and, you know, my doing all the high school coaches programs and whatnot. And, you know, my dad, again, still never really forced anything. I'd go play rec league with him and his older buddies and, and, you know, run up and down with the old men. And that's really where I learned the fundamentals of the game at, which are still carrying me today. Um, But it wasn't really when I, it wasn't really until, late high school, early college, when I realized like this guy might know what he's talking about. Um, where I started, you know, calling him after every game and, and after every practice and sending him film and like, Hey, what do you think here? You know, what should I work on? Hey, you know, you think that should be been a right hook or should I finish it with my left? Like, you know, just asking him different types of questions that like, he had already walked my exact path. He had already, you know, he's the three-time all-star dude was, you know, by all accounts, incredible and, you know, objectively just a monster. And so, you know, why, when I started realizing how difficult it was to get to, even to the next level from college, from high school to college, college to the pros, um, you know, having someone that had walked that walk before and, and the only thing he wanted to do was see me, you know, following that, in that, following that path and be as good as I can possibly be you know, why wouldn't I use him? And, and he was, uh, again, he never forced it, never pushed the issue, but, uh, was always very, very, um, receptive and willing to any kind of help that I had asked him for.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure what it is about kids. You're, you're going to see this one day. There's something about kids that don't think their dads know what they're talking about. <laughs> that's in life in general, but I go through the same thing with my kids. You know, I could tell them, Hey, here's what it takes now. Granted minor, are, minor are young, but you know, Here's what it takes if you guys really want to do this, or you want to make this team, or you want to have, a, you know, whatever it is. Here's what it takes. I'm I'm giving you guys the the cheat sheet here. Just these are the steps, daily routine, your approach. You know, and then they'll look back, and and then they'll go to work out with another team or another coach, and the coach will tell them the exact same thing, and they'll get in the car and be like, "Hey, Dad, you know, Coach So and So, he said this." And I'm like, "Uh huh, yeah, no shit. <laughs> I told you that six months ago. You know what I mean? But like, right. for whatever reason." Kid, and again, I do the same. I'm sure I did the same thing with my dad growing up, but you know, as you look back, do you ever wish, and I, and I know you, you know, at this to reach where you are now. There's probably to say you have regrets is probably not the right term, but like, do you ever look back and say, like, I wish I used my dad as a resource earlier?
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I wish, um, man there. Were, yeah, absolutely. In, in late high school and in college, like, again, I I've, made a, you know, I made a long and, and, and successful career and I'll, you know, I'll play until they kick me off the court. Um, but I do think had I used him earlier and and gotten down some of the things that he was, would have been willing to teach me and willing to spend time with and, and, and learn. And I hadn't looked at him like, yeah, that's just that just, just watch, you know, just watch and, (laughs) and, and my old high school coach is going to show me how to get better. Um, of course. Of yeah, course. but had, so I, had, I, had I not done that, um, I think I would have been um, set up to even be in a better position than I am right now. And and uh, like, like again, I, I don't know if it's the word is regret, but I do wish I could go back and, and um, appreciate him and his knowledge earlier on.
1: Yeah. But what, what, you know, I know you have um, sisters and brothers and, and other people tell us a little bit. Now, was your dad's approach with you similar to his approach with your siblings? Like, did your parents approach sports very much across the board with all of you? Or was it, you know, I, I, knowing my kids, they have very different interests in sports. You know, some want to be very competitive, some. So again, as parents, we approach it differently with our different kids. I'm just curious, like, was your sports experience as a kid growing up similar to your siblings? So mine
0: was very much so not, um, I wasn't good at much of anything until I found, until I grew and found basketball. Um, But my sister who's older than three years older than me, she was dominant at whatever she did. She played soccer, dominant, Um, played a little bit of softball, dominant. She played basketball throughout her whole life. And, you know, eventually led to a scholarship at Dayton university where she played all started all four years. And she's just, she was terrific. Um, And my, you know, they never really pushed her in anything. They let her play what she wanted to, and eventually just found her way to basketball. Um, but she too, never really, um, never really opened up to my dad's wanting to teach us and, and that type of thing. She was more of, um, the normal kid of like, yeah. Hey dad, did you know, guess what coach so-and-so taught me? It's a drop step. Yeah. And it's like, you know yeah. how many thousands of points he scored off I, that? Like, but, <laughs> like, as a kid, yeah, as a kid, <laughs> you never know. Um, same thing with my younger it's brother. So he's he's seven years younger than me, and and uh, dude has been a stud at whatever he wanted to do. Um, played football, was a wide receiver growing up, and was just bigger, faster, stronger than everyone that could have. He was, I mean, we, he, we called him, his name's Pete, so we would just call him Pete Moss. And cause he was like it. Randy Moss and he would just go, he was a monster at whatever he did. Um, and then obviously played basketball, but those are the only two sports football and basketball, but he was, I mean, you we talk about all those early rankings and whatnot. Pete, um, was always in the ESPN top 100 of kids in his class from, or from eighth grade, ninth grade, ten, eleven, twelve. He wow. was always top 100 and just outstanding. Um, and played four years at the university of, or Northwestern university. Um, and now he's, he transferred for his senior year. Uh, he's going to be the starting power forward at, at um, for the Tar Heels in North Carolina this year. So um, he's, he's, uh, you know, he's very good, but he, my dad was on him pretty early. My dad molded, kind of molded him and and worked with him early. Um, I think that's because, a lot of it, because by the time I had realized my dad was good, it was Pete's time to start getting in the gym. Yeah. So he was just always in the gym with us, yeah. you know, messing and, and
1: what an advantage, right, to not only have a father, but to have an older brother, or an older sister who, again, are charting this path forward. And that's why I think conversations with with people like yourself who have lived it from so many different angles. Obviously, you have your own career, you have your own success, your own you know, kind of resume, but then also everyone around you. And I just think for other families, our listeners that are, that are, that are listening to this right now to be able to learn from your family's approach to how do you have three successful athletes that all are at different times or at different levels, different levels of interest, different levels of skill, uh, boys, girls, I, you know that's why fam, I just I'm so fascinated by families like yours who can just have success across so many different platforms and so many different generations. Um, to, uh, one area that we that I want to transition into a little bit here and, and get your perspective on is a lot of our viewers are are coaches, right? Whether it's youth coaches or high school or college, you know, in the coaching aspect of the youth sports experience, uh, really the experience in sports at any level to me is the most critical factor aside from the parental role, right? The coaches in essence, take up that parental you know, capacity with so many kids throughout the country through their, through their sports experience. Talk a little bit about, was, was there a coach at, at maybe a certain level, whether it was high school or before or after who like really shaped your approach to sports, your appreciation really helped you develop that love? Was, was there someone outside of your family that you think back on that just really made a huge impact on getting you where you are today?
0: Yeah, I do. Um, I do. And I don't, I don't even know if I've told eh, there were two of them. I don't know if I've told either one of them this, but, um, one of them was, uh, youth, very young, probably from third grade to about sixth or seventh. Um, is uh, coach Cunningham was his name and he was just, you know, we just had this local group of guys that would go play basketball in some local tournaments and, and, um, You know, I, I was the kid that if we didn't win, I was crying point blank period. It's just what it was. I was crying on the way home. Um, there's nothing you could say or do other than let me win to either. I wouldn't cry. Um, and, uh, I do remember, you know, after one game again, we lost tears every time. And he was just like, Hey, you know, this feeling the worst, right? It's just the worst. You know, you cry for every time we lose. And we were fortunately a good team, so I didn't have to cry too much. Um but you know that this thank feeling God. like thank yeah thank good thank goodness right exactly. <laughs> um and so yeah, he's like this feeling it's you know it's terrible but you know what helps what helps you stay away from this feeling? Working, like working harder than the other team, making yourself better than them. This will never, this won't happen to you. And again, it sounds so simple and silly, but for whatever reason at that age, I just thought it was like, Hey, you know, you kind of roll the ball out there and better team wins on that day. But it's like, Oh, that's right. You can, if you work on this, if I go work on this, I'll win more games than I lose. And, um, you know, that kind of more went more into the soccer realm than basketball for me. So I practiced that till I was blue in the face. But, um, so he, he was one of them and just kind of taught me that it's out again, it sounds so simple and silly, but for me, whatever that age I was just kind of resonated with me that, Hey, look, you know, you can, you can't, you know, work trumps everything. Um, and then earlier, later on, like, once I started getting better at basketball, like mid high school to late high school, uh, Chad Benz was his name, uh, our AAU coach. And again, just a local team of local guys yeah. that traveled around uh, various tournaments, but we were actually okay. Um, and uh, he just, um, it was less about, it was less about the end product for me. He, I got to figure out how to put this. I was the only, so I was the only D one player on the team. We had a bunch of yeah, guys that one guy went in AI. Another guy went D three. Like, but again, it was very much so like, this is my team. Um, and he kind of took it. I've always taken losses hard. so he kind of took it as a, for me, pulled me aside one game was like, Hey, look for you. It should be less about right now. It should be less about the outcome. And more about, cause you know, we're playing teams we're playing King James shooting stars that has a full seven top seven of D one guys. And we're playing these teams that are just kind of wiping us off the court. And it got frustrating, but of course, like he pulls me aside. He's like, Hey, look, like we don't have the top end talent of these teams. So you got to take this as a challenge for yourself to learn, to play a team game, try to make, try, try to bring these guys to your level so that we can beat these teams. Um, you know, from a leadership perspective and from a team game and, and, um, distribution type of, uh, type of role. And, you know, instead of trying, you know, instead of trying to go out there and score 25 or score 30 and try to win that way, like that has never been my game. And that was never going to be my game, but I was trying to do it and it was frustrating. And so uh, then I took it to a point of like, Hey, you know, that's one thing I can do is I do know how to get people open. I do know how to make other people around me better. And so that's what my game kind of molded into is, um, using myself as a decoy, you know, setting great screens, going to clear the glass, going to do other things that kind of evolved into what my game is more like now, um, into, into raising everybody's level around me and trying to make myself a, um, you know, instead of making myself the star of the team, um, almost like use myself as a platform for those guys to raise themselves up on. And, uh, you know, for me, that was that's what eventually I took and was really good at and just kept uh, compounding on top of that. With, that's how I got to where I am
1: that That's a really interesting point I, I'm going to ask you to kind of dive a little deep because I think that's super interesting. So much of what we hear from parents, and again, we go through it ourselves with our kids is there's this there's this balance between finding the right team and the right situation to bring out the best for your kid right and especially we're talking about at the young age where yes everybody wants to win but no one remembers who the 12-year-old champion was no one remembered what kid was the best in 8th grade right it's it's all about the the journey it's all about getting down the road so when you look back you were the best player on your team playing against other you know more quote unquote high level teams from top to bottom which forced you mm-hmm. to have to kind of really look deep in yourself and innovate and and really improve not only yourself but your team to compete. But if you maybe were on one of those other teams where you just rolled the ball out and you guys had the best five players, who knows what approach would have happened. So as you look back, was there ever, I guess it's twofold, my question. A, was there ever a consideration to just going to join one of those teams that maybe just had better talent top to bottom, more division 1 kids? And B, if you did take that route, do you think it would have had it it would have altered the path that you just described that you've now carried forward into the NBA? Like, how much did that experience as a high school kid having to mold yourself and having to handle that advice from your coach help you versus maybe if you were just on the team that you could just roll out there, be one of the five, get your mm-hmm. points, get your scholarship, and, and just always be on the best team?
0: Um, that's, a, that's a good question because, like, for me, it was never an option um, for my sister, it was never an option. Like, Hey, we are, you go to Revere high school. That's where we're going. We don't do any of this. Interesting. Um, we don't, we are not moving to do any of this. You're not going to a private school We're. this is where you you work with what you got. That's what life is. And it was what we were always taught. Like, Hey, this is the hand you were dealt. This is where you're going. You're going to do, make, make with this team, what you can. Um, and so it was never even a thought. And now like even looking at it now, like I, I never transferred schools because it was like uh absolutely not. You know, this is what I chose, this is who you chose, me, I chose you. We're gonna stay loyal to this, and this is just what it is, finite. And so, um, you know, I, but to a certain extent, and again, that eventually molded me into the game that I play today, which I think is which I'm um, you know, I, I'm thrilled with. You know, I'm, I'm very yeah, happy to ser- I mean, I'm it a, served you yeah. so
1: it served you so well, of course.
0: Right. I think it's, and which I'm thrilled with the mentality that's put me on because I think there is, and to get a little bit into the weeds here, there is a lot of guys that were on those teams that jumped to a, um, that jumped to a, yeah, hey, this, this is already, you know, this team's already, you know, cooked. I just get to jump on them and, you know, here we go to go with the state tournament, Um, which again is a, is a route you can take. But, um, you know, I think now. Now where I'm at is I think we're seeing a lot of guys, when you get to a, try to make it to the NBA level from college to the NBA, you have a lot of guys that never learned how to do all the in-between things that you had, I had to learn how to do in order to keep my teams competitive. Um, you know, a lot of guys are just like, yeah, I scored 40 and, um, he scored 30 and he averaged 25. So therefore we won every game. Um, I didn't have that, um, I've, I never averaged twenty in my life. Um, nobody on my teams has ever averaged twenty in their, yeah, again, out of the NBA, until the NBA. But um, you know, and so I had to learn all the little, you know, all the little like little nuances of how to win the game. And that's why I think now, like we're seeing a lot of guys that were so so talented from such a young age and so so prominent early have a hard time finding their way into the NBA because. Again, and I just heard Draymond talk about it the other day on uh, social media, because on every team, there are two, maybe two, sometimes on a great team, three guys that get to do kind of what they want. They get to play that top end game um, where you can average 20, average 25, average whatever it is, and you get to shoot all the shots, maybe two to three. So that's what, 50 Five, sixty guys in the world that get to do that at the highest level the rest of us you got to find you got to find other ways to impact winning to make it and to get onto the court and that's what i feel like i learned by going taking the route and learning um you know to make the best with what i had and learn to raise everybody else's levels um because i i think i, I've averaged I, maybe 10 I think points that is
1: as that yeah. is such a good lesson for our, I can't tell you how much that's going to resonate with our followers, with our, with our viewers, because everybody wants, even at I'm seeing it at even the, my kids young age, you know, they're not, they're still in elementary school. They're in fifth, sixth, you know, fifth grade, fourth, third grade, fourth grade. Everyone's answer is, well, let's just go join the better team. It, it, ans- it solves everybody's problems. My t- and I just think to hear them and hear you reflect on what you learned through everything you just mentioned, I think is so powerful. I heard, I I think, are you referring to Draymond when he was speaking after they just finished the conditioning drills and he was addressing that group of guys standing around him. I watched that this morning. Somebody shared it in my feed and man, what a message for anyone who hasn't seen it. Just go on social and find it because his message exactly as Larry just said is so spot on about just what it takes to carve out a role and what it takes to, it, it was just an unbelievable message. And I think it goes hand in hand with what you just described. So thank you. That, that is, I think of anything, that is the lesson of, of our whole show. If if we could put our whole show in one little, in one little box, I think you just summed it up perfectly. I want to go back to your, to the coaching um, a little bit that you alluded to, you know, was there a style of coaching that you felt you re, that resonated the best with you? Maybe that you gravitated towards, or maybe gravitated away from like, especially, you know, in those younger years through high school, that can you, when you're describing these coaches, what was their approach with you or just your team in general?
0: Uh, So I found early on coaches were very passive with me um, when they first met me very passive. Like, you know, my dad was always in the stands. My dad was always watching at practices and everything. So they were very passive with me. Like, you know, Hey Larry, maybe we should try this next time. Or Hey, don't probably not make that pass. And then like, as they got to know me, like you can yell at me, I don't really care. Um, you know, you can, you, and I, I, so I've played, I've played for a wide range of coaches, whether it's, um, the coaches, almost like the players, friends that'll come up to you and kind of be real cool with the players, but then drop a, you know, drop a, a little tidbit here and there. I've played for the, I've played for the, the hard nosed coach, the, the screamers, the yellers, um, doesn't really, none of them really bothered me. Um, none of them really bothered me. You know, as long as there's no disrespect, as long as you're not treating me as beneath you, um, and we're on the same level, just like, hey, as long hey, we're in this together, you need me, I need you, let's just go win this. And however we well we gotta get there, I'm cool with that. As long as no one's above or beneath the other, um, is what I found. Um I've never had an issue unless it was a situation of of, of um you know, hierarchy issues.
1: Yeah, I think I think that's important to put out because yeah, you know, there are a lot of ways to coach. There's a lot of ways to motivate. There's a lot of ways to coach and teach and whatnot. But I think your point about, as long as it's coming from a place of love, a place of respect and a place of, I want what's best for you. And we might not always agree in, in the process. We might always not agree in the path to get there, but as long as the two people, you know, the coach, the player, the coach and the team share that same appreciation for one another, as you just mentioned, I feel like typically when it comes from a place of love, you can weather the ups and the downs, right? You can weather the disagreements. You can weather the not being on the same page. It's, it's when it's, as you mentioned, when it's, when it's toxic and it's negative and it's, and it's more about tearing yes. you down than it is about lifting up the team. I think that's when things can get a little sideways. So I, I think, you know, again, what's also served you so well and why you've had the career you have is, I think so often with these young kids nowadays, they can only operate with one type of person, right? If it's not the teacher that they love, the mom moves their classes. If it's not the coach that they feel the best about, they change teams. Like no one has the ability anymore to adapt, you know? So I think to hear you be able to say, yeah, I, I can deal with any really coach. and I've had a bunch of different ones and we all can get along and, and, and work towards our ultimate goal, I think is a good lesson. Cause in my experience now with families and and raising young kids, people don't like a lot of ways people do things and they're only going to put their kids in environments that they feel their kid is the safest and the most comfortable. And unfortunately, I just don't think that's the reality of the world. Mm -hmm.
0: No, I couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. And that's, uh, that's, uh, you know, something that I'm definitely going to employ with my kids is, uh, you know, you're going to have to deal with, you're going to have to deal. With, it's just the way the world is. You're going to have to work with people that you don't see eye to eye with. You're going to be in locker rooms with guys that you don't agree with. You're going to be, you're going to have to deal with people that may not be on your same wavelength. And that's just, you know, that's just a part of life. Um And so no, I, I couldn't agree more is like, it, it feels like we've gotten very, um, you know, uh, we'll just go somewhere else. Then if we don't, if you don't like it, we'll just go somewhere else. And I, I don't, uh, I'm not going to take that. I'm not going to take that approach with my kids.
1: Well, well, let's talk about that. Let's look into the future. What, what, what kind of sports dad are you going to be? Let's get right to what everybody wants to know that the core <laughs> of this conversation, what kind of sports dad are you going to be? Are you going to be the guy out in the outfield who doesn't talk to anyone? Are you going to be the guy sitting in the corner of the gym with his mouth closed? Are you going to be coaching your kid's team right on the bench? Like, Where are you going to be on that spectrum if you had to guess right now?
0: So I can already tell I've thought about, I've given this extensive thought. Um, (laughs) when it comes to basketball, when they're in a group setting, I'm going to be in the corner of the gym, mouth shut. No, none of that for me, unless I'm invited by the coach, like, Hey, you know, would you like to join us for practice? Or would you have anything to say? Like, unless I'm, I want the coach to have, that is your, as long as you're doing a good job and mean the best for my kids and have at it. Sure. Um, now hopefully, and I've got my fingers crossed a double, hopefully when my kids get into soccer, oh man, I'm, I, I fully plan on, I've already got this. There's a, there's a guy, so I'm in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. There's a guy that lives, I grew up with in high school and lives maybe a mile from me. And he had a, he, um, you know, he had a daughter the same age as mine. Um, and, uh, we've already got this plan. We're going to be wearing our khaki shorts and our polos with our, uh, with our whistles down here, we're, I'm going to be the head coach. He's going to be my assistant for all for all the youth soccer games. And it's going to be going to be yeah, great. I'm, oh, I'm going to be the soccer coach. Yes, <laughs> this but is no basketball. Be...
1: No, it's so funny you say that. And meanwhile, I'm going to sound like a hypocrite because I am coaching my kids football team. But for the longest time, I coached my kids teams in all the other sports, mostly because I wasn't around in the fall. So football, we didn't really have a great youth football you know, experience. Cause I, we didn't really do it. So right. my spring was my off time, my summer. So we played a ton of baseball, travel baseball. And I was always coaching the kids. I'd help out me and my dad would coach like their little rec basketball team of kids in school and whatnot. But we didn't do a ton in football. At least I didn't, but ne- you know, here I am now full circle. I'm retired. I have more time on my hands, but it's funny to hear you say it. It's kind of more fun to coach sport you didn't play. Like, that's what I found at least. Cause Mm -mm. I've been to a million football practices to now go through that all again with 10 and 11 year olds and teach them stances and formations. I'm like, I've done this, but to go learn baseball, for example, and almost learn alongside the kids, I couldn't wait to go to practice. You know what I mean? Like there was something about doing a sport other than the one I did with my kids. That was so to hear you say, soccer is the one you look forward to. I can relate to that. Cause that's been my experience uh, thus far as well.
0: So question for you, something. actually.
1: Um, yeah.
0: When, so you did coach, you coached a little bit of football uh, for your kids. Did you find it hard to be able to double back, to be able to like back up and then explain the bare bones basics of,
1: of the sport? That's I would, the, the part that's frustrating the most, again, coaching youth sports can be, it's amazing. I love it. I spend a lot of time doing it but it can be very frustrating, right? Cause you, you live and die with the success of these kids. If they don't have success, you kind of take it personal. Like I'm failing them kind of thing. The thing I would say about coaching football specifically, because that's the world I've lived known. I grew up around it. My dad was our coach. Like the nuances of it, just it's my world. I get it. I know it in and out. I assume everybody else in the world knows it too. So to like, right. all of a sudden I'll be like, all right, Johnny, you're the left guard, Johnny go to left guard. And he looks at <laughs> right. me and I have to go, wait a minute, this 10 year old kid, he doesn't know left guard from point guard from no, he doesn't know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So like, that's been the part that's been in the beginning. It was a little frustrating because you're like, we got to move forward. Like you guys got to know this stuff. But then it's also, I look back now and I'm like, this last couple of weeks of being able to really go to the nitty gritty of how do we get in a huddle? How do we get (laughs) in a stance? How do we break the huddle? How do we call a play? Like for so long, those were things I always just took for granted. We never practiced getting in a huddle. You just knew where to get in the huddle. Mm -hmm. It's been fun, right? Like that's been really cool to now take a step back and say, even with my own kid, like I'll say to my own kid, like, Hey, remember, and he'll look at me and I'm like, oh my God, he lived in my house for all these years, but he doesn't even understand the the basics of football. So to answer your question, it's been fun being able to like go back in time and start from the very, very beginning because you can't take anything for granted that these kids know. But at times your frustration comes out because just, you know, I know it. I'm like, so how does everyone else not know it? Like, what are you guys doing? You know? So like every once right. in a while, I got to like check myself. But teaching a sport you know the most about is fun, but it's a lot more aggravating because you expect everybody else to know it like you do. And you got to stop and tell yourself these kids are 10. They don't even know. They can't put... I got to buckle their chin straps. Like we we had to do a whole lesson. You're going to love this. We had to do like a whole pregame when we first started putting on pads. Like the kids didn't know how to buckle their pads. They didn't know how to put their their chin straps through underneath their helmets. These kids would come, they'd have their helmet, their face mask. And then the chin strap straps would be like on top of the face mask. So before practice, we'd have to undo the buckles, feed it under the face mask and like teach them, teach their parents. Like we're teaching them how to put the equipment on. And now we're like, all right, in three weeks, we got to go play a game. So it's, it's been really cool experiencing it with my kid, just teaching him the game that I've loved for a long time. But yes, it's, uh, I can see why you want to go coach soccer. I'll just put it that way. I get it. <laughs> I get it.
0: Yeah, it's always interesting. Like when I have to go back and we go back into some of these youth camps, like, you know, they'll do these drills and, you know, I'll, I'll step in sometimes and be like, all right, you know, uh, for the next one, guys, uh, rip baseline, go back, uh, give them a counter move and then finish it with a right-hand reverse or whatever it is. Just talk them through some specific action or like, I'll make I'll do something in a game and and, you know, some kid or even one of my younger teammates will ask me like, hey, how did you do that? Or what made you think of that? And at this point, we've been playing it so long. It's like, I don't know if I can walk you back through it. It just kind of happened. Um, totally. I don't know. I saw that and did this. I I don't know. I, I can't really walk you back through the step by step process because it's now just kind of
1: it's, it's just—it's what I you know yeah I get it I, I I get it and and it's hard to say what sometimes what you know mm-hmm. and now you got to say it to a kid who yeah. knows zero like I said they can't put their helmets on so it's uh it's you, you take it for granted but I I can relate a hundred percent where you're coming from I, I I don't get me wrong I'm loving coaching them to be able to experience this with my kid and Here's the one thing I'll back up and say, and I've said this before on the show. If, if you have a son who ends up playing football or whatever the case, whether you do, or you don't, whatever football, what I've found and why we've held off is it was the one sport that was, if I, he can go play for a great baseball coach like he does now, my kids. Great. I will go sit in the bleachers. I don't need to be the coach. You have a great basketball coach because if you don't have a good coach in those, in those settings then we can find a different team. Maybe that season doesn't go great, but we'll figure it out. If mm-hmm. you have a bad football coach, there's safety implications. You could never want to play again. Yes. Like that was always the one that was non-negotiable for me. When my kids, when my two boys play f- tackle football, at least in the beginning at the young age, I was going to make sure I was around to see it. Whether I was the coach or I was just a helper, whatever that level of involvement was like I did not want my kids to learn and experience football that wasn't the right way. Because if, like I said, not only could someone get hurt or whatever, a bad experience in football, you'll never want to go back. Right. And that was always my fear. And that's why it was the one sport that I was like, no, when, when it's time, whether it's right or wrong, I'm going to be involved those first couple of years. And then I'll pass you off to a high school coach and you go on and do your thing. But I want the kids to learn. So being able to teach them the game, from the beginning and let them know they're doing it the right way and the correct way and be able to build this foundation forward has been, has been really cool. So I, I think you're going to learn when you start wearing your khakis and your whistle, I think you're going to love <laughs> coaching the kids. Cause it's pretty cool, man. It's pretty fun. Yeah, no, I, I look forward to it. Yeah. Well, the, the last thing that I have for you, you've been generous with your time. I'm going to leave you with kind of a question we leave all of our guests with, you know, if, if you could look back on your youth sports scene, like versus what you're watching now unfold. And again, with potentially having kids enter this world down the road, like what is something that you know is available now that you see these kids having access to, or, you know, whether it's educationally or whether it's skill training or whether it's, you know, whatever it is, that you look back on your early life and say man I wish when I was a kid coming up through the sports scene I wish I had that or I wish I knew that um
0: gosh the first one that came to my mind was actually totally opposite um what I what I'm glad we
1: didn't have um go for it. Ans- then you go ahead okay, man it's I'll, not I'll, the question I'll take the, go I'll for take for the opposite I'll route it. of the question Done. so
0: Answer right it. now, and what I've seen more and more, and I'm sure again, I'm sure you know you're you played long time, so like I'm sure you've seen the same thing, and you know I, I don't know how to describe it necessarily, but like the different gener, the, the younger gener, generation of athletes that come through, that have gotten into this highlight culture is and almost is I, I hate it. I hate it so much now, like defense is almost playing defense is almost like you're looked at as it's it's super dangerous now, because now everybody's out there to try to either cross you over and get you to fall or dunk on you and point in your face or whatever it was. And it's like that happens maybe once of every three games. And now all these kids, they work on. That and only that, because that's what's going to get you all these clicks and views and likes and retweets and all that type of stuff. And so now, like, you see the watching these AAU games and watching, um, like, good, good players in high school and good players in college, it's all about, for me growing up, and I feel like for, again, I feel like I'm sounding so old. I'm only 29, but, like, for me growing up, um, it was all about, like, hey, win win you, whatever it was to win. And now it's like, yeah, how bad can you embarrass that guy? You know, now like,
2: you know, so I, I've dunked true. on you know,
0: I've had, I'm you know, I was a, lucky enough to be a very good athlete. You know, I've dunked on countless number of people and not once have I ever pointed in there. Like, like I, I, I should say that not once there was a, one time I did it, but it was a personal thing. Um, but like now, like, I feel like all these young kids, they dunk on someone or they cross someone over and then it's like, they're pointing at them and laughing at them. The whole game shut down. People are running on the court cause to celebrate this one move. And it's like, man, get up and go places. So this.
1: true. Like it's, it's so, so true. Me,
0: it's so maddening that like. You have no idea if teams won or lost, if the kid is good or bad, you have no idea all, you know, and all you'll see from these games is like, Oh man, that kid got crossed over something
1: serious. And then he made a three, like (laughs) what a fool, like,
0: no, he's playing defense. It's just, that happens sometimes,
1: man. I, I to hear you so clearly state all these. So points, like when we started this, this concept of you think like, these are the conversations and the tools and the messages that we wanted to go out and have through conversation with people like yourself and share to all the, you know, to all our viewers and listeners. And cause these are parents raising kids in this culture, parents raising kids in sports, coaches who are coaching these kids. And like, we're in charge of shaping what they view as being important. And so often we had Josiah Johnson. Um, he's like a, you know, NBA Twitter guy. And he came on and talked a lot about his role in social media. And he has a, he was a fascinating conversation and, you know, his understanding of social media. And he said exactly what you just said. And and he, and he was great. He's like, listen, we all have a responsibility to, yes, we capitalize on it. And yes, we all are guilty of sharing it. And, but he goes, we have a, we have a responsibility that we teach these kids that their self-identity and their self-worth is not directly tied to the engagement of their highlight reel or to their, you know, going viral for a dunk or for, you know, a head top and uh, like all this silly stuff. So it's so funny to hear everyone kind of share that same message I think is important because at sometimes I think it's a, it's a, a cause that we're never going to win, you know, that it's so far out of the bag that I don't know if we ever can put it back in, but I just think to hear people like yourself. And when we had Josiah on just to talk about that is, um, is a, is a battle that we're fighting. I don't know the end result and I don't know how we ever, there's no going back. So we got to make the future the best we can. So I, I think it's such an interesting point and it's such a great point to kind of end this conversation on because I'm with you. I was never a celebrator. I was not a dancer. I scored a lot of touchdowns. I never, I wasn't, a you know, I might've spiked the ball a couple times like here and mm-hmm. there, but it was never, you know, my only thought after I scored was like, I'm exhausted. I need to go sit on the bench and pull my shit together because I got to do this another 50 times the rest of it. You know what I mean? Like, right. it was never about that to me. So I, I just, I can relate to what you're saying. And I want more and more kids, hopefully of this generation, my kids' generation, your kids' generation that feel that way. But unfortunately, that's, that's the exception to the rule.
0: Yeah, my, I'll tell you what, my kids are not going to be doing That's one thing I'll have an input on. They're not going to be doing all that
1: shit. My kid goes, dad, (laughs) if I ever hit a home run, can I bat flip? I said, yeah, you can bat flip. And then when you come back to the dugout, you're going to have a foot in your ass. You "You got to do it. You can do it. Like you can do it, but then there's going to be a problem. I'm just, (laughs) we're not here to show people up. You want to go compete against somebody. Go when you take the court, you know, if you're playing basketball, you want to show that you're competitive. You want to show you're tough. Find the best kid on the other team. I got him. Bro. I got Larry and I'm going to go compete. You don't need, we're not here to show people up. You want to be a tough guy and you want to show, go guard the best kid on the other team and compete in battle. That'll show everybody who needs to see how important it is to you. You mm-hmm. don't need to try to have a stupid, silly moment. Well, Larry, I could go on and on. Cause I feel like we see things very similarly, but in the, in the so. process of time, I'll, uh, I'll let you go. But Larry Nance jr. I can't thank you enough for agreeing to come on with. You think share a little bit of your story, your, you know, reflect back on your childhood, but then also all the qual- the qualities that have made you the player and the person that you are now. So thank you so much for joining us here on you think and uh, best of luck this season and best of luck in the future with everything you have going. So I appreciate you, man. Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Larry. Um, you know, just he, he was so thoughtful. He had such a, a great perspective of not only growing up around the game of basketball because of his father, but, you know, talking about how his first love was soccer and how he was late to kind of getting into the basketball world and his father never pushed him. And it wasn't until he told his father, you know, I want to get good at basketball that, that his dad really took a like, you know, took a real big interest and coached him and really pushed him to be the player that of course he is now. Um, so I, I just think there was a lot of really relatable, stories, a lot of re- really relatable perspective from, from Larry Nance Jr. So I appreciate Larry for joining us and 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 sharing some of those thoughts and stories with us here on You Think at this time. As always, I'm going to welcome in my producer, Tasha, who... Uh, what's going on? What's happening? I, what, what do you got for us today? We got some good ones.
2: We do have some good ones. The first one is from Gary from Instagram, and he wants to know, what offense are you teaching your tackle football team?
1: Oh wow, Gary wants some wants some eleven year old football X's and O's. He wants um, the
2: inside scoop.
1: <laughs> you know, our our overall philosophy is the hardest thing to do in youth football is block. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just it's hard for any levels. Offensive line play is always the most challenging aspect of football. It's just it's hard to do. The other guys are moving. You can't grab them. You got we can't our the rules are you're not allowed to put your hand on the ground. So it it's just a it's a difficult thing. So our main philosophy is how do we make our offense seem complicated motions movement jets, all sorts of different movement before the snap that makes the defense see all this movement play slow and with our formations and our pre-snap movement and motions have to block the least amount of people possible. Hmm. And that's where the kind of gamesmanship of, you know, making it look really difficult to the defense, but to our kids we're really running just a handful of plays, but just putting a bunch of window dressing on it. That makes a 10 year old middle linebacker see guys going in all different directions and not really know where the ball's going. And by the time he does find out where the ball's going, he's a step or two behind. So everything we do is with that train of thought, the least amount of guys that we have to successfully block to make a play successful, the better. And that's just, now as we continue to work with the kids every day for hours and hours about improving our ability to block and coming out of our stance and striking and maintaining our position and our footwork now it just allows us to run more and more different style plays but in the beginning that was our we entered with that kind of approach and so far it's it's working the kids have have really gotten better the kids are really buying into the way we're teaching them to do things and and it's hard we we push them hard and we make them do it the right way and i spend an hour plus a day with the offensive and defensive linemen about coming out of our stance and footwork and striking bags and punching. It's, it's a lot, but we're, we're teaching them to play real football. And, uh, you know, the more your kids can do, the easier it gets. So we are constantly trying to not only find things that are easy for them to run and, and, and handle both mentally and physically, but also improve their skills so that they have more success on game day.
2: Nice. So then the next one is from Brandon, also from Instagram. He wants to know, how do you assess your child's athletic ability without the parent bias goggles? And he goes on to say, our son has been very successful in three sports. I'm wondering if we should move him to a more advanced team or we should just leave him where he's at and have fun.
1: Yeah, so I think this kind of goes to the core of so many of our conversations with our guests here on You Think. I think it all depends on what is your child's goals right? Is, is your son or daughter just really happy to be on the team with their friends and they're comfortable and there's really no aspirations to, to seek a higher challenge or seek a higher you know level of play. If that's the case, then just stay with what you're doing. They're finding success. They're having a great time. They're enjoying themselves on both practice days and game day. If that's, if that's the ultimate goal, then there's no reason to change it. But if your son or daughter continues to to show the interest and to show the drive that they want to be challenged and they want to seek more competitive teams, more competitive games, um, more competitive leagues, or whatever it is, then I would highly recommend not having your kid be the best player on he or she's given team. Mm -hmm. I think from everyone we've talked to on this show, from Dr. Gervais all the way through to Olympians and professional athletes and coaches at the highest level kids succeed more when they are pushed outside their comfort zone. And I think to be the best player on your team, there's just an inherent human instinct that what I'm doing is good enough. I don't need to keep pushing because I'm the best player. Like, and you could put your kid on any team. There's so many out there now where you could, you could artificially create that they're the best, they're the best kid. I mean, that's, that's easy to do. So I would encourage parents to find ways for your son or daughter to be challenged, to be taken outside their box, but the caveat is, as long as that's what they want, as long as that's what motivates them, as long as they are mentally and physically prepared to handle that grind and handle that push. Um, so, as always, it starts with what the kid wants. And once the kid establishes what what they want, it's the parents' job to make sure they find the right, you know, the right situation to accommodate it.
2: That's good. And then our final fan question is: James from Charlotte asks. What, what, why do quarterbacks always say hut, hut? Can they say another word?
1: You know, that's a really good question. And I've been around football my entire life. I don't really know the origins of why hut, hut was such a, was such a thing. Um, that's so that's a really good question. We are, <laughs> our youth team goes back to our earlier question. We use set go. We don't say set hut or hut, hut on two. I don't know, but in the NFL we did. I would I'm, when I'm done with this episode, I'm going to Google it <laughs> and I don't want to sit here and pretend that I have the answer to that. So James from Charlotte, we will get back to you and uh, we will have a full history of Set Hut on the next episode here on You Think.
2: Yeah. If someone knows the answer, they should leave it in a comment or something.
1: Please what? direct Hutt. us because I'm sure there's a reason. I'm sure it has to do with the syllables right? I'm sure right. they wanted things that were quick and easy and and came out. I, I don't know. I'm sure there's some some method to the madness, but I don't pretend to know.
2: <laughs> well, that's all the audience questions we have today. We love hearing from you guys. Keep submitting them. Greg will answer them and you can submit them on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter at Youth Inc. or at Greg Olson.
1: Well, thanks so much, Tasha. Thank you mm-hmm. uh, for joining us. As, as Tasha mentioned, we love hearing from you guys. So please continue to to rate, you know, write us, continue to submit your questions on social and email and all the different ways. Thanks for listening to us here on you think, um, please continue to rate review, subscribe, wherever you get your pods. And we look forward to seeing you guys next week.